Hey guys, welcome in. It is Brad with College Sportscast, and we are here tonight to do a special game day pick 'em with T3 Bracketology. Hey guys, welcome guys. back. It is Brad with College Sportscast. I have John Hammonds here with me tonight. What's up, Hammonds? What's up, man? Got a special guest with us tonight. We have T3 Bracketology with us here tonight. What's up, T? How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We uh, we know him from Twitter. Uh, we've been. I've been friends with him the last two years on and off, been in some chat groups and stuff. I think John's been friends with him for quite some time now. Um, and uh, he is in the bracket matrix. Um, there's like over a hundred people that do this. Some of them are like with ESPN, CBS, and all kinds of people that are in it. Um, he is one of them. And we are excited to have him on our show tonight. He uh, is, we consider him one of the best. So me and John do anyway. Yeah. And by the way, we're not going to be talking Kentucky tonight. Just for you to say. Thank goodness. (laughs) I had to just throw that in there. I might be wearing it. I might be wearing it, but I was planning on not even mentioning that name. Well, there no, it is. All, it's man. out there. It's a big game this weekend, though. It is. So, it is. So. It is. It is. So we want to welcome you to our show. Um, like I said, I'll give you the platform here to tell a little bit about yourself and anything that you want to plug. Yeah, for sure. So like like Brad said, I'm T3. I, I, I'm T3 at T3 Bracketology. Like it's there at the bottom on Twitter. I've been doing bracketology now for 10 years since the 2015 NCAA tournament. It's been a lot of fun. Love doing it. This is technically the ninth NCAA tournament because COVID year was canceled, but 10 seasons I've been putting in the work for it and really enjoy everybody that, that follows along and interacts on Twitter and on the website. It's a ton of fun every single year. And go Chicago State Cougars. That's my plug. There you go. <laughs> So I got a quick question for you. Um, while yeah, guys know, he, he likes he likes the little guys. Oh yeah, that's the littlest. <laughs> so yeah. what yeah. I was going to ask you was T is how do you with your metrics and stuff um, kind of give us an idea how you how you base like your resumes and and how and how you do your bracketology and, and such. Yeah. So I look at the the entire full team sheet. So one of the major places that I reference is warrennolan.com, <clears throat> which is a, a really great resource that people can go to. You can see, I think it's called like team sheet and then team sheet nitty gritty plus. You can get a full breakdown of the team. It's got its net rank, 
non-conference strength of schedule, strength of schedule. It's got the predictive metrics, which are Ken Palm and BPI this year. There was a third that's not being used this season. And then there's the resume metrics that are strength of record and then KPI in there. And you can see the full quad breakdown. And that includes getting the upper and lower halves of Q1 and Q2. Sometimes people on Twitter will refer to that as quad 1A versus quad 1B. If you want to get really specific, there's a lot of debate if the committee even cares about it, but there is technically a Q2A and a Q2B, and it doesn't get that specific in Q3 or Q4, but we do have some jokes in the bracketology community. It would be fun to have a Q3B because not every Q3 loss is the same. Like right now you could lose to Seton Hall. I guess not Seton Hall now because they just won, but like Memphis, you could lose to Memphis at home. That's Q3, but then you could also lose to say like, Bryant at home, and that's Q3. Those are not the same weight, but Q3 still looked at as bad. So I'd love it if there was like a way to – I'm sure the committee does look at that, and I certainly do, but I'd love it if it was like Q, Q3A versus Q3B. But I really – I just go through every single time I update. It's once a week through January, and now it's multiple times. I just look at all the team sheets all the way across. At this point in the season, I kind of have an idea of these are the six to eight teams in the one seed range. These are the six to eight in the two seed range. As you get further down, there's like 15 teams in the 10 seed range, et cetera, especially once you're thinking about the last four in, first four out. But I'm really just evaluating. I got multiple different monitors, and I just look at like, here's this team sheet, here's that team sheet, and I just kind of compare across the two. And sometimes it's split in hairs. I'm like, these two feel like they're the same. Maybe a team has an extra road win. Maybe they did something out of conference that was better. That's a tiebreaker. And you ask a bunch of different bracketologists and you're going to get different answers, which is something that that makes it a lot of fun because it's none of us are going to get it exactly right. We're going to the good ones are going to get it pretty close. I, I would consider myself in there for sure. But no one's going to get every seed exactly right any single time. It's just hard to predict 10 to 12 random people in a room. But that's kind of the process, at least that I go through. And that the best resource for that's WarrenNolan.com. I have to give him a shout out for that. And another thing, T, um, tomorrow is the big, big, big top. 16 reveal yeah um, i'm not sure if you've got your top 16 yet I, I, I don't know if you if you've already got it together i would just be curious well, to what your top 16 would be i'll be honest with you t we can run through that because i have one two three and four seeds here i was going to run through with you so if you're ready to do that here with us tonight yeah. we'll do that yeah for sure start out so yeah who do you have for your one seeds um, yeah so the tonight yeah, the one seeds as of today, and then obviously some of the stuff, so I'm going to look at it again later tonight, make sure I'm all crystal clear to go for tomorrow. But I, the one seeds won't change. That's definitely locked in. But number one overall is going to be Purdue. I think of all the 16 teams I can talk about today, plus some extras, that's the one guarantee I have. Purdue will be number one overall as of tomorrow. They have more Q1A wins than all but four teams have total Q1 wins, and that's the upper half of Q1. So, And they're top two in – predictive and resume metrics they'll be number one and then after that's where it gets a little bit debatable two and three the two teams are houston and yukon i think everybody kind of agrees on that that do that does bracketology but there's a debate on which one i'm leaning into houston for two because they're number one in both predictive metrics i've missed on a seed before not leaning in enough to predictive metrics and going more based on resume because that's my preference personally but the, the object of this is to project the committee so I think that they're, they showed it with us last year. Houston didn't have a resume that warranted number two, but they were number one in both predictive metrics. They got number two. I'm going to stick with that rationale until I'm proven differently. UConn will be three. And then Arizona's four. Again, I, I kind of like Marquette's a little bit better. Kind of sneak peek into the two seats. Kind of like Marquette's resume a little bit better, but Arizona's three. 
both predictive metrics and they do still have enough there. Some of their bad losses have appreciated, if you will, like Stanford's not maybe nearly as bad of a loss as it was before. It's only Q2. So there are, there are some things in there that, that help their resume, but I think, again, they're just going to lean into that. So Arizona is what I'm expecting to be number four. Interesting that you have UConn at three. I would have thought they would have at least been one or two, to be honest. Yeah, I think if you're looking at it outside of like the committee past principles and you're thinking about it like watching the team, wins that they've stacked up, et cetera, et cetera, I think it feels intuitive that they should be one or two. I just think it's – I've been bit there before. I'm kind of leaning on the fact – I'd love for it to be wrong and it's flipped and they'd finally lean into like UConn's resume is just better and they're put too, but – for now, I, I still feel like they're going to stick with because Houston's literally number one in both, but they're going to leave them two because it's just hard to match what Purdue's done. But I would love to be wrong in that area. Obviously, UConn's going to play more tomorrow, so it could be different, but we'll see. All right, so with that said, who do you have as your two seeds? Yeah, right so like, yeah, like I said, I got Marquette. That's the top of my two-seed line in there. Tennessee's up there as well. That's one that... I'm pretty certain it's going to be a two seed, but I'm curious where they are in the two seed line. They're under 500 in Q1. I think they're at least as of last night, they were four and five. So that's an area sometimes teams have been slightly penalized, especially at this reveal. But I definitely think they'll be a two seed and they have the metrics to warrant six, but we'll see if they actually get six, seven, or eight. And then seven, eight, and nine is very debatable. You're going to see a, a lot of different opinions on Twitter. It's between North Carolina, Iowa State, and Kansas for the most part. You'll maybe see a switch up, maybe throw in a Baylor here and there, but. I think it comes down to those three. For me, I think UNC is definitely going to get it to. Tomorrow they have six road wins. Good portion of those are in Q1. They do have the bad loss to Georgia Tech, but most of the resume is pretty clean. Same with the metrics. And then my personal opinion on eight and who I have as eight today is different than what I think the committee might actually do. And I have Iowa State at eight. After that road win over Cincinnati, most of their good wins are on the road. It's no secret, though, that they're one of those Big 12 teams that's been kind of Playing the system a little bit, that non-conference strength of schedule is over 300. It's pretty bad. They did absolutely nothing in the non-conference. But unlike maybe like a TCU, a Texas Tech, a Texas, a Cincinnati, they've actually kind of proven it in conference play. They're right up there near the top of the Big 12. So I think they warrant the eighth spot. But I think what we've seen in the past a little bit with the committee is they might not have taken in all of these games this week into account by the time they get to the top 16. They just might have met on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and done that. And so I feel like my gut says in that case, they're going to end up going with Kansas at eight. But Kansas's best road win is against Indiana, whereas Iowa State's got three or four in quad one. I just prefer that personally to see that in there rewarded. Now, Kansas has a lot of good neutral wins in the past, like we saw with UConn last year getting a four seed. They didn't give a ton of credit at those top, top areas, neutral versus home. I think that they're – they're definitely different. It's harder to win on a true road game than neutral, but it'll be interesting to see how they handle that along with the strength of schedule, the kind of precedent they set if they put Iowa State at eight, but kind of two differing opinions versus how I feel like it would be versus my opinion today, which is Iowa State at eight, two seed. Well, I mean, the two teams that I would say that, you know, and, and that you said there that over the last week, two weeks, it's kind of hit a rough patch would be North Carolina and Kansas. Yeah. Both. I mean, you know, they've, they've been upset, you know, uh, a little bit, you know, the last couple of weeks, both teams, North Carolina, two weeks ago, I thought they had a chance at a one seed. 
uh, you know, like for this reveal. Yeah. But, you know, they've slipped up, lost a couple of games. Um, and Kansas has been playing without one of their starters. Um, color? Yeah. Games. Yeah, so. The thing that worries know. me with um, Kansas T is the fact that some of these road losses are just kind of confusing. Um, and you see a lot of these teams going on the road and they win, but Kansas cannot simply do that. And that that's where I'm kind of – what does the committee do in that situation? You know what I mean? Like compared to other teams' resumes um, yeah. and, how, and how to put Kansas in there. Because right now I feel like Kansas is a 3C, but that's just my opinion. That, yeah, that's my opinion too, but I think it's just going to be curious on on how they weight neutral wins because Kansas does have that, especially in the non-conference mm-hmm. before they kind of hit this skid. Kind of similar to like Baylor, who's also on the three lines, so kind of keeping in the conversation of the threes. I think Kansas and Baylor will be somewhere near the top of the three line. Obviously, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Kansas at eight and just didn't take into account this recent road win for Iowa State. But Baylor's another one that I think their their best road win is better than Kansas's, but they still only have, I think, two or three road wins so it's still not a lot they're under 500 on the road but they have a couple good neutral wins one of them was early in the year against auburn so that's really good so like how are they going to actually weight that versus true road in the past we've seen them lean heavier with true road but we haven't really seen an example like iowa state with that bad non-conference but those two for sure kansas and baylor and then the two sec schools that are got to be two of the hardest to seed right now because their metrics are insane alabama is one of those and then auburn is the other they've got metrics that you could warrant as a two seed. They have metrics that would warrant them in the one seed discussion, especially Alabama. There's a few of those that are top four for them, but both of those kind of similar to a Tennessee, but even more extreme under 500 in Q1. I think Alabama only has three wins there. Auburn only has two. None of them have like really glaringly bad losses. I know Auburn's worst one was the app state game, but I thought it was really cool. They even went and played at app state and that's an app state's been good. One of the best, mid-majors this year i think they're like 20 and 5 or 21 and 5 something like that so they've been having a good season so it's it's just q2 but it's really the only blemish on their resume loss wise but i just think those those metrics for them are too hard to ignore i wouldn't be surprised if they said hey they need more wins first let's put them down as a four seed and and instead of some other teams we'll get to in a second but for me i'm going to lean into those kind of like i did with houston just stay consistent and i think they'll be at the bottom of the three line tomorrow um we had a question um, we had a question. We had a question for T real quick. Um, somebody put on there said, we'll, "We'll go into it later." They said UNC Wilmington. Where would they be seated at? And and we'll probably get into that in a little bit. But um, UNC Wilmington's playing really good um, basketball in the CAA. Yeah, and they would be a thirteen today for the person who asked that right question. Now. Yeah, yeah. It, it obviously does depend a little bit on who you have in there as automatic qualifiers because if you have like in my most recent update, Troy was technically still in first in the Sun Belt. They're a bit worse, so they're down to a 15. If you had App State, App State goes up to a 12. Maybe UNC Wilmington shifts to the top of the 14 line. Somewhere in the top of the 14s or lowest 13s, depending on who actually is represented, which is all kind of a guess right now because conference tournaments are still a month away, but that's about where they'd be at for the, the person that asked that question. Okay. Um, for me, I was going to talk about Alabama for a second. You was talking about yeah. like they have quite a few losses in the quad one losses, but like they they lost a lot of games by just a few points early in the season and played a really stout schedule. Yeah. Bama did probably. 
I think er, their early schedule non-conference was probably one of the toughest in the country. Definitely top 20 for sure. I don't know the exact number today. It does alternate. I think their overall schedule is third overall, at least as of last night. So it's way up there, but that's just one of those things that's interesting. Like that's what helps their metrics because they don't have any bad losses and their losses are to good teams and they were close. Just like you said, that's what helps that. But how is the committee going to weigh a three and six, at least as of it, maybe it's three and five now, three and six, three and five quad one record. That's where like, I could see them saying like, Hey, get some more wins first. We'll put you as a four. I don't, I don't believe that's why I have them as a three. I don't believe they're going to do that, but I can understand the rationale over a couple teams we'll get to on the four line and, so you switch the graphics, so let's jump right on into that. But one of those teams, yeah, I, did. I went ahead and switched. Yeah, I got you there. <laughs> yeah. One of those for sure, though, is Duke, which is a good example of the opposite of Alabama and who's the other one? Auburn. Or Duke's five and two in quad one. That's all they have, though, win wise. Like Auburn and Alabama have a bunch of stuff in Q two. So you combine those two together, which is one way of saying like, what is a team's actual quality wins? You combine Q one and Q two, and then obviously you dive into the specific teams that are in there as well. But Duke has just all their quality wins are in quad one, but it is five and two. So that looks really nice on paper. Unfortunately, some of their Q2 losses, I I lost to Arkansas, which at first didn't seem like that would be bad. Now it's a bad loss. They also Mm -hmm. lost to Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech's only three ACC wins are against Clemson, Duke, and North Carolina and everybody else they lose to. That makes absolutely no sense. But that's an area where Duke's got some nice metrics and they are three games over 500 in Q1. So that looks really nice. Is that an area where the committee decides, hey, we're going to jump them up and reward them for how they've played against elite opposition? Or are they going to go ahead and say cleaner resume, cleaner metrics, even if the quad one record's worse? I think that's the one area that could be surprising to some people is seeing Duke on the three line. But for me, for now, they're going to be on the four seed line because there's just not enough depth for me, especially in Q2, the resume and a couple other bad losses. And then rounding out the rest of them, feel pretty good that we're going to see Wisconsin and Illinois, two more teams from the Big Ten. Wisconsin's been sliding a little bit. They did make up for it recently this week. They beat Ohio State, which is not a good team, but it's just getting back to the winning ways. It's always good no matter who you are. And then Illinois just absolutely blew doors off of, of Michigan. But the, the two differences between those two resumes is both of them have pretty good resume metrics. Wisconsin's predictive metrics are not as good, which is normally an area where they struggle, and especially as they're kind of getting back to like, Wisconsin of old where they're letting bad teams hang around too much or they've had a couple bad losses. That's where predictive metrics get hurt, where Illinois has been for the most part blowing out bad teams. But Illinois, as of yesterday, only had seven wins combined in quad one, quad two, where Wisconsin had 11. So I still feel really good, even though Wisconsin's had a few more bad losses. I still feel really good about them being a four. Illinois is one of the ones where I could feel like it's a shock, which was UConn last year, where everyone that does this thought UConn was going to be in the top 16. Where they were going to be, people had them as three and four seeds, and they were left out. They were one of the extras. I could see that being Illinois just because they don't have anything in that quad 1A, the upper half of quad 1 we were talking about. And right. it's just it's another one that's not a, not a lot of depth, kind of like Alabama and Auburn, but the metrics are not nearly as good as those two. I still feel like they'll be a four seed, but that's the one that I could be – it wouldn't be too much of a shock. And then my last team was a – Heavy debate, talked about on Spaces last night with a couple other people. I went with Creighton. The other one I'm heavily debating is Clemson, and I would not be surprised if Clemson showed up in there. They have a couple of fantastic road wins, but their predictive metrics are in the 20s, which we just normally won't see that. Again, it's not an area if it was T3's opinion bracket. Clemson's in there. They're probably above Illinois. 
but just thinking right. about historically how that goes, and I'm hoping that maybe they change that press in a little bit this year. I'm thinking they're going to be one of the extras and that Creighton, because their predictive average somewhere around like 12 or 13, hard to lead that out. And they still do have some good road wins. They have five. It's not nearly as good of road wins as Clemson has, but there's still enough in there where they could say like, yeah, we're going to justify it. The metrics say so and throw them in there. But I, I would be definitely happy and encouraged if they decide to put Clemson in there instead. But I think that's going to be one of the teams they mentioned. Usually they get asked a question or a few questions afterwards. And they say like, right. who are some other teams that got votes? Either Clemson or Creighton or Illinois, whatever one's left out, will definitely be mentioned along with a couple others, like maybe a San Diego State who's got a good game tonight. They could be a surprise inclusion or most likely just one that they kind of mentioned they have a lot of really good metrics. They've, they've been playing good basketball and no bad losses, even if they lose tonight. They could be an extra one. You could see it yes, could have been some. State plays Go New Mexico tonight, so that's a, that, that's a good game for them. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be yeah. a – after this, definitely going to be tuning into the, the second half of that. It's going to be a blast for sure. Yeah. Really yeah West basketball, it's spectacular. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's going to be a good one for them. The only one in there – I I know that you said Wisconsin's got quite a few quad one wins, but, I mean, it's hard to get that four-game lo- losing streak out of your head. You yeah. know, when you – you know, I mean, it's just really hard to get that out of your head, like when it – Just have. I know that again. They've mm-hmm. had some injuries. I think. I think too. Well, I think too. The committee sometimes they look at what you did early in the year too, though, don't they? Tell you, like, and sometimes they they over they overlook some things, but some things they don't overlook, and that's why we're sitting here and you're doing being the bracketologist <laughs> because. Me, I'm not good with math. Like I, I was not really good in school at math, so I would, I would not be knowing what I'm doing in this department. But um, you're one of the best when it comes to this stuff. So you, you pretty much, you know, you know what you're doing. Absolutely, so. you, you make you. a good point though about about Wisconsin. Like these are still human beings that are making these decisions. So that is going to be something that I'm sure they talked about this week in terms of the losing streak, how they played. I think it really helps them that they got to win this week. Again, granted, like beating Ohio State's not going to change a whole lot for them, even though I think that's technically still Q2 because Ohio State's like hanging on by a thread to top 75 at home, so it technically counts, but they just fired their coach. I doubt that that sticks there by the end of the season, right. but I think that that helps. I just wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they're lower on a four than maybe if you just looked at the resume and you didn't have the context of that losing streak in there. You'd be like, oh, maybe that's closer to a three seed because they have 11 in Q1, Q2 combined, but I, I think – I think it's fallen enough down for me where it's a four, but I still feel like they have enough there to be included with the full season. All right. Well, so we've talked about the top and the top 16 teams here, and that's going to come out tomorrow. I want to switch it up here and kind of talk about the bottom portion of, of your bracket right now. So I'm going to go to your last four in that you have as far as this morning today. I know we're not including games that's happening like right now, <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so my yeah. last four in shifted based off of last night because Utah lost to USC. Not a good loss. I don't think any of us in the beginning of the season would have thought that Utah losing to USC would be not only the the surprising result, but also hurting Utah more than it actually helps USC. USC's got to win the Pac-12 tournament to have any shot. But that, that was enough for me. Utah's been sliding. They've they, – 
kind of moved out of the field they were in my last four in. So the new last four in, I'll call it a last five in because I keep kind of going back and forth on the last one. But regardless, they're still bubbling on the 11 line. Nevada and Mississippi State are two teams that I've been debating on. One of them is going to be last four in. One of them is going to be above and like what you'd call a last four buys 11 seed in there. I think Nevada's just got a little bit more on the road. I think Mississippi State's a team that will – I'm not going to say like skyrocket, but I could see them get to the eight, nine game quick with just a couple more wins because right well, now. They, the, well, Mississippi State's got some, Mississippi State's got some big games coming up. Yeah. You know, they got, they got Kentucky at home. Um, I think they got, um, I think maybe Alabama, maybe Alabama. I can't remember, but they got a couple home games where they got quad one opportunities. Yeah. And I think if they do that and take care of business there, I think they can get in without having to worry about the last four in. Yeah, my gut says that they're they're not going to be here too much longer. The biggest hesitation is just their best road win is outside of Q1 or Q2. It's the Mizzou game they got last week, which they blew them out. That was good. I just to stay consistent with road games. It's another reason why even though even though Nebraska's got a great resume, they're just above last four in because all they have is one road win too. But they beat Kansas State, which is a better road win than Mizzou. So just keeping consistent there. But I think that's a team that can rise up eventually. And then the the bottom three teams that are in there for me as of right now, I'm trying to think. Uh, two of them are definitely one of them's Providence, which was a new entry in there, very debatable. But again, they're one of the reasons why some spots opened up. Richmond lost earlier this week at UMass, or I, I think it was at home against UMass. They were technically the A10 automatic qualifier because they were in first place. That's how I do the smaller leagues. It right. only have one to two bids. I take whoever's in first. And since they fell off, Dayton's now tied for first, so I'm just giving it to Dayton. So it opened up a free spot, moved in Providence. It's not something that I'm super passionate about. I think those last couple spots are wide open, but Providence is in there. Another one from the SEC is Ole Miss. They Really the only reason they're in the field at all, to be honest, is their resume metrics would be a historic number to leave out. If you average their strength of record and their KPI, it's in the 20s. We've never seen a team that averages in the 20s be left out of the field. So that's the reason I would keep them in for now, but they, they haven't really been impressing me lately. And then the new team that came in in place of Utah is a team that a lot of people have talked about all season, and they finally snuck in, but they've got us no more messing up. They still have to win the rest of their games is Gonzaga. Like the win they had over Kentucky was, was good enough. They have really great predictive metrics. The resume numbers, though, are not great, and they only really have – I'll call it one and a half more good games left. They have St. Mary's again. That's a good win opportunity. And then San Francisco's a road game that will count as Q1. So we'll kind of call it like a half. Like it's definitely (laughs) going to help, but it's not, it's not a win over an at-large team by any means, but it's still going to look, make the full profile look better. And in, in some cases too, Syracuse is improving as well, which was one of their best wins neutral court. So if Syracuse keeps playing a little bit better, that could help, but that's still TBD. Not going to factor that in yet, but that's the team I have there. And then some other teams that are certainly in the mix. Utah certainly is, even though they fell out. They wouldn't be my first team out, but they're probably within that like yeah. – Yeah, they're probably within that that first four-out area. Seton Hall is in there yeah. after getting a, another recent win. They, they've moved into that section. And then there's what definitely about some Michigan, What about the thing about Michigan State? Are they, are they inching back? Yeah, Michigan State, because they got another road win for themselves, they have two, and they have really good predictive metrics that are in the teens. They're they're definitely feeling pretty safe. It's just kind of like don't crash the boat at this point, and they'll be in. I have them up to an eight seed, not really because of the great 
results and resume by any means, but because the predictive metrics are so good for them, again, it's, I think their average is in the teens, really hard to ignore. Some people have even pushed them to a seven, which I can understand. I think they're kind of out of double digits at that point. It was, it's going to take like losing tomorrow. They play Michigan. That would be a bad loss. That sends you right, right back into this conversation. But if they just take care of the games they're supposed to win, I think they're going to be fine, even though it's kind of an underwhelming resume, like wins loss wise, but the metrics just really love them. And sometimes that's the case for some teams, but me and 801 had a interesting conversation yesterday in the group chat. We, we were just talking, you know, imagine being a two seed or a one seed and you see a seven seed in state in that second, you know, in that yeah. second game or that eight, nine game. And you're thinking, Oh boy, like they're, they've not been what they supposed to be all year, but Izzo is, tournament it's always been about Izzo in the tournament because that's what Izzo does and just look at it from a 1c 2c perspective you you look up and all of a sudden on selection Sunday you see Michigan State sitting there and you're thinking oh boy it's sort of like the Kentucky Wichita State year where Wichita State got kind of I feel like they got screwed in 2014 because yeah. of that situation but there's a lot of teams that get screwed in that situation you know one seed. To be, to be fair though John Sometimes in the tournament, Izzo is either fire or ice because he's been knocked out the first round a couple of times, too. He has. He has. Uh, you know, so – but when he does get it right, they usually make a good, strong run in a tournament. But there have been times where he's fumbled the ball a little bit yeah. and got knocked out early as well. Yeah. So, That's a good point. You know. All Somebody right, mentioned so, Marquette. We uh, we talked about Marquette earlier. Um, they're they're what T? They're on the two line. Yep. Yeah. Two C. They they have the opportunities. The games against UConn left to certainly get higher than that. But for right now, top of the two line, that's where they're at. All right. I wanted to kind of um, ask you about some potential bid stealers while we have you on the show. Yeah. So. Bid stealers are conference people who could go in and win the conference tournament, who are kind of lower in the in the you know in the metrics of all of this, and they are being they're out as of now. But if they win the conference tournament, then they steal a bid from a team who would normally right now get in. So that's how I would describe that. So uh T, what's what's some of your top bid stealers that you think could happen? Yeah, I'll keep it mostly conference focused because I think any of these conferences that I get into, there's multiple options of teams that could end up stealing a bid. So the one that jumps out immediately and is probably the most likely is really two. It's the Atlantic 10 and the American. Those have been two of them where up until Richmond lost to UMass this week, I've had a different team in than the favorite the favorite in the A-10 being Dayton and then the highest team in the American being FAU. I think it's just when you look at just from an odd standpoint, when there's one team that's in the field, the odds are that the field for the conference tournament is going to end up winning it. So I think it's safe to say if you're a fan of a bubble team and you're one of the last two teams in in most good bracketologist fields, definitely worth feeling a little bit nervous because there's probably going to – last year we had zero bid thieves. So I think we're kind of due for two to three, kind of get back to normal yeah. standards there. So – those are two for sure, and in terms of the teams in there, I think there are a ton of options in the A-10 and the American that could win. Memphis jumps out in the American. Richmond that I just mentioned jumps out in the A-10, but VCU's playing better in the A-10. 
George Mason has been playing pretty decent basketball in the A-10. I mean, there's UMass is still a fun team. They just beat Richmond. Now it's a, a hot pick for a lot of people too. There's tons of options in the Atlantic 10. And the Americans very the same way. Got to give a shout out to South Florida. They've won like nine or 10 in a row. They're technically right now that not technically they are in first place in the American and play FAU this weekend. North Texas looks good this week. UAB's looks good. A lot of other teams might pretty much go through mm-hmm. almost the whole conference. I think, Charlotte, I think like, Charlotte's in there. Charlotte's playing yep. really good. Oh, yeah. Yep. Charlotte's yeah, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's a good call. There's even more if I had the conference rep. This is just off the top of my head. But there's tons of options yeah. almost the whole league outside of, like, the bottom two or three. But those ones are really obvious. I think a couple more that maybe are less obvious would be the WAC is one for sure because I'm really curious to see what the committee would do if Grand Canyon won out the rest of their regular season. They have six games left. And then went all the way to the conference final. I think that puts them at 30-3 and three if they lose in the WAC championship game and win every other game. They do have a non-conference solid win over San Diego State. Their only two losses to date are South Carolina, neutral court, not a bad loss. And then at Seattle, which right now is still Q2. And you're not going to get super penalized for like one road loss to the second or third best team in the WAC. But the right. problem is, is there is not another top 100 team in the WAC. So on a neutral yeah. floor, whoever they lose to in the conference final is going to be Q3 or Q4. doesn't matter if it's Seattle or if it's someone all the way at the bottom of the, the whack, like Texas, Rio Grande Valley, or whoever it is. It's going to be right. a quote-unquote bad loss. But how are they going to handle that? That's my, like, 30-3. and three, They have a lot of road wins. Unfortunately, really only, like, one or two wins that have a ton of merit to them. It's just – it's something that's going to be close. And so if you're – again, if you're a fan of a bubble team, that's a conference tournament to watch. And then very similarly, the Missouri Valley, Indiana State put a huge dent in their bubble chances by losing to Illinois State this week, which was Q4. I'm not sure if they have a great path for an at-large anymore, but certainly if they win out, they get all the way to the Arch Madness final. And even if – in that case, if they lost to a Drake or Bradley, that's just a Q2 loss because those two right. teams are top 100. And then Southern Illinois is another one that's getting close-ish to top 100. Right now they're outside of it. But if they get on a nice hot streak to end the season, that's three options they could lose to, and it's Q2. So then what does the committee do with Indiana State? I feel like Grand Canyon's resume is a little bit better, but it's still one to watch in that particular case. And that one's probably more likely because there's a lot of solid teams in the Missouri Valley where Grand Canyon is very clearly the best team in the WAC by a lot. So it's going to take like a, a surprising upset where – Indiana State's really fun and good, but like Drake, Bradley, Missouri State, a lot of those teams can hang right. Southern Illinois, they can all hang right with them, kind of like the American and the the Atlantic 10. So it's certainly one to watch. And then one last one for sure that I think is interesting because it's the last year for the league is the Pac-12. Because currently after Utah lost yesterday, I only have two teams in the field. Some people have three if they maybe decide to keep Utah and maybe they were higher on him before last night, dropped him the last four in, but Arizona is going to be in the field, and then Washington State's been playing great. They've moved up for most people into like a single-digit eight or nine seed. If they just don't – they beat Cal last night, which was a a bad loss waiting to happen. They avoided it. So if they can just kind of take care of business, maybe 500 the rest of the way, they'll be in there. But it's still a league that has a bunch of teams that are solid but underperforming. Oregon comes to mind. Colorado, even after losing last night. And then UCLA, which had a ton of expectations in the preseason, played terrible. And now they've won, I think it's like eight out of nine after getting 50 balled by Utah. They actually look like a good basketball team. So obviously it's tough to beat Arizona, but UCLA had Arizona beat in Tucson and then they choked. So it's 
yeah. certainly possible. And I think that's one that maybe less people are keeping an eye on. So like, oh, Arizona will just run through it. But maybe Arizona wins out the regular season and they're a one seed regardless and they're just kind of checked out. Who knows? And I we, think- we, uh, we have another question for you, T, and you probably oh, can sure. answer this better than I can. But yeah. it says, how are the NCAA tournament teams placed? Like, do the top teams get to pick location? Yeah, so the, the top 16 seeds, they're all the, they're what would be called like the protected seeds, if you will. And it goes in order of preference one line, and then it snakes back around in terms of who actually gets preference for the preset location. So the number one overall seed gets to pick Midwest, West, et cetera, down to two, three, and then fourth gets stuck with the last one, and then you move back in. But it doesn't work as a perfect snake because you got to remember as well, too, they don't want to have certain matchups come into play in certain conferences or if you've played each other twice too early. Usually right. the rule of thumb, sometimes they can't avoid it, but the rule of thumb is before the Sweet 16, they don't want to see that happen. So that's where some of those matchups could maybe slightly adjust. But for the most part, it's just the top 16, which is why a show mm-hmm. like tomorrow is intriguing for those fans because they get to a point where they might actually have a pretty favorable location. For yeah. the first we, we used to make a joke about Duke all the time um, <laughs> when, when when they would get picked. It's like, well, they get to always play in Raleigh. Everybody would make a joke, but they get to play in Charlotte. They get to play in Raleigh. Greensboro, maybe yeah. too. Greensboro, yeah. yeah. We used to joke about it with Duke because they get to sit in their home field, back in their home parking lots. So. Yeah. So, T, I have one more um, team that I wanted to ask you about. Talking about these bid stealers here, uh, what do you what do you think about? Have you paid any attention to Western Kentucky this year and the way they have kind of come on here um, in conference play and stuff? I think they're like either 18 and seven, 19 and seven, something like that um, sitting right now. And I just wondered, you know, do you think they would have a chance of winning the tournament and, you know, um, stealing a bid basically? Yeah. So that, that, in that particular case, it wouldn't be a bid stealer because there isn't a a conference USA team, the conference that they're in that's currently in the field. So that's just going to be a one bid league. Whoever wins the conference tournament will get in, but I do believe that Western Kentucky can win it. I think if, if I'm thinking like, who's my pick today, I'm probably going to go ahead and lean with either them or Louisiana tech in the CUSA, not as a disrespect for Sam Houston, who's been kind of hovering at first, most of the season. I've just been, Sam Houston plays a little bit more of a style of basketball. It's just not as like appealing to the eye. It's like very efficient, get after it. A lot of different scorers where Louisiana Tech just, I don't know how many of those games you guys or anyone else listening have watched, but they just have some wildly exciting games. Those things are just out of nowhere, always coming down to the wire most nights. Very exciting. They have a lot of capable, good scores. I like watching them play, but Western Kentucky, I believe, has beaten them at least once already. So certainly are capable of winning the conference tournament. I would, I haven't really decided on who I'm going to make my pick yet, but it's going to be one of those two, most likely Western Kentucky or, or Louisiana Tech, especially because Liberty, who was supposed to be a lot higher, has just been very underwhelming in conference play. That looks great. They have, they have a first-year coach. Western has yeah. a first-year coach this um, year. Yeah. And he's that, doing a pretty good job. Something yeah, that interests me that a lot of people don't know about UT is you've told this all the time. You've watched every single college basketball team all year long, and, and I thought that was pretty neat. Um, More than once, I think, at least twice, right? You watched yeah, every team twice? Not every team twice. I think I stopped keeping track at the end of January, but it was over 250 were twice, all 362 yeah. at once. The ones right. that get really tricky are the Summit League because it's behind a paywall yeah. on Summit League Network, and right. they have just two, yeah. one or two games a week that are on CBS Sports Network. But 
One of those is usually on Saturday, and I, no disrespect to the Summit, but I'm usually watching other games on right, Saturday. Yeah. So it's usually the Thursday game that I'll tune into for the Summit. That's on that yeah. one if I haven't watched those teams or if it's intriguing. Like South Dakota State's fun. I live in Minnesota. St. Thomas is not eligible yet for the tournament, but they play a really fun style of basketball, shoot a lot of threes, almost beat Marquette back in the non-conference. So like to tune into them when I can, but that's that's been one of the leagues that's held me back from getting like 300 plus twice because I made sure to catch those in the non-conference while it was still like ESPN plus and stuff like that, that I have access mm -hmm. to. But uh, I've watched every team at least once. It was a grind. It took a watching Detroit. The first time was tough. The first time I watched them play was the, I think it was at IUPUI and they got blown out. And I was like, yeah, I IUPUI yeah. blew them out. But then it was a blast. Yeah. Valentine's day this week, they got their first win. Twitter was going crazy. Mississippi oh, yeah, Valley yeah. State. Yeah, that's did, the one left. Right? Yeah. I, uh, so, I just got to take. I just got to take he, he watches all the teams. He's he's professional doing this. Like you said, he's been doing it for almost 10 years. Wouldn't be 10 years if they hadn't threw out a tournament. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're we're glad to have him on the show. Okay, John. Um, just, I got a quick question. Um, a buddy of mine just sent me a text. He, he's, he's a big Florida fan. He, he just wants to know where you got Florida at. He's Shout out Florida. Like, they have had an unbelievable season. Um, Todd Golden has done a really good job down there. Um, yeah, they're you know, one they of only – there's – I don't know how many is. I, I think there's – it's somewhere between five and seven teams that have zero losses outside of quad one. So, like, literally like – some quad two losses are not bad, but literally no bad losses. And they've had a couple of good ones. They've been playing better basketball. I had them as my last seven seed. Some of the metrics dipped – a little bit because they let LSU come back and hang around too much. So they currently sit as my top eight seed, but you could certainly debate and some people have had them as a seven. So the best way that I would describe that to somebody that was asking me on Twitter, and I can say it now, it's just right on that seven, eight line. It's very debatable. We're still on what's today, February 16th. So I got over right. a month. Hey. It kind of sort itself don't, out. But don't worry. You've already, you've already had Kentucky fans after you this year. <laughs> 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 That's the second mention of them now, John. That's oh, two. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Hey, I was he just like, you've been after, they've been after you. You know, he though. can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, T. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to switch to some games. Uh, we we normally do game day pickums here on Thursday or Friday night. We've switched it up for Friday night for after basketball or after football season just for yeah. basketball. Um, and I picked most of these games that would have a team that's either on the bubble or questionable to close to the bubble. Butler is the team here that I think is probably at least questionable to the bubble. Um, Creighton plays at Butler tomorrow. Uh, Creighton is a two and a half point favorite. And I just wanted to kind of give you a quick little um, run here to talk about Butler as a bubble team. Yeah, the, the one thing that really benefits Butler, I have them in the field today. They're kind of in that same, like I was talking about with Nevada, Mississippi State, last four buys area. I have Butler as a 10 seed. So certainly bubbly, 11s and 12s are where we're talking about last four in. So they're just above that. And what really benefits them is they have two really solid quad one A road wins. They already won at Creighton and at Marquette. That helps them a lot. They had a great opportunity earlier this week at home that they didn't get. I think Butler gets this game if we're talking about a game pick. But it's, it's not necessarily a game that they have to have. They're going to need some more wins because other bubble teams are going to get wins. They don't need to be perfect. They're in the field. 
They had a, a nice non-conference with a couple of good wins. Boise State was one of those that's in there that's in Q1. They had some nice things in there for sure that helped them where I don't think they need like a, I don't know how many games are left for them now, but let's say it's six, like four and two. Like they go three and three, could be good enough. Maybe gets a little bit more dicey, but certainly beating Creighton, I think helps them a ton, maybe even pushes them up to a nine seed at the end of the weekend, which makes you feel a lot safer going into the closing stretch. Here, but I like them to win this one too. Creighton, though. All right, so you got Butler winning yeah. this one? Or up and down. Creighton. Creighton scares me because one minute they'll look good. The next minute you just don't know what you're going to get with them. It's that's fair. It, it's every single week. And, and, you know, they got really good play. You know, they got Baylor Shireman. Um, they got a really good team. And I just, I, th- I think, like you said, I think Butler um, takes this game at home um, Saturday at Hinkle. I mean, going to Indy and playing at Butler is, is a tough place to play. It's tough. Yeah. 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 All right, so my, my next game, uh, it's got Texas A&M. You know, they had a bad loss earlier, either this week or over yeah, the weekend. I can't remember. I believe it was earlier this week, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. Vandy, when Vandy beat them. Yeah, I, on the travel. First of all, was that not a walk at the end of that? Did I it, think that, did like yeah. jump, hop? I mean, yeah, how he, do you not call it travel? One, one of those steps you could technically argue is like a gather step, but there was still three. And then he also lands. I think he, I'd have to see the video again. I think he lands on the right foot, then uses the left foot as the pivot to jump up. And then it was very debatable and I couldn't zoom in on the video or when I was watching that game too, at the end of it, I, the ball is debatable if it gets tipped or not. If it doesn't yeah. get tipped, then it's like, okay, now he's taking like eight steps. If it does get tipped then that doesn't count. Yet. So. Like he yeah, yeah, went tell. up, come back down with it, went up again. Yeah. To me, it didn't look like it. But anyways, with that loss, I would think Texas A&M is clearly on the bubble and yep. maybe even out. I'm not sure where you have them, but they're going to Alabama. Alabama is a nine-point favorite. These are off of DraftKings uh, a little bit before we come on tonight. Yeah, Texas A&M, like you said, definitely on the bubble. I still have them in the field. They have enough good wins for now. The, the losses are definitely head-scratching, and they're starting to pop up. There's there's starting to get a little bit too many of those. I've seen some people have them as an 11. I have them as a 10, kind of similar to Butler. But different – What they have a little bit better like quantity of wins than Butler does, but they have a lot more bad losses. Butler doesn't have any. So that's a problem for Texas A&M. So I could see a 10 or an 11, but this would certainly help them. It's not going to hurt them, but – you can ease the – I would even still call it probably a net positive week. You lose at Vandy, which sucks. That's a horrible loss. Then you win at Alabama. I'd call that a net positive week, and Texas A&M probably gets back to where they were like an eight seed with that win. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I I do not sports gamble because I watch too much basketball. I can get myself really caught up in some things, but nine feels like a lot, especially for Texas A&M coming off a bad loss. They need this a lot more than Alabama does. I could see them getting a little bit closer, but then I could also see – an Auburn, South Carolina situation. So that's why I don't mess around with that stuff too much because I can convince myself. Yeah, the point spreads, yeah. But I yeah. think like outside of if we're just talking straight up winner, I, I think Alabama still is, is just too much at home. I think they end up winning the game. But I think it's going to be competitive. I think Texas A&M is going to be hungry. They know that they got the big win last weekend. They, and they play state. defense. They play, yep. they play defense really well. And, yep. and Alabama likes to. Got, got some really they good do. offense. They really do. Yeah. Noah Sears, <laughs> might, Noah Sears yeah. might be – National Player of the Year in in some polls, you know he's he's playing really well. I mean, I don't know about Bama's defense, but their offense is Electric. spectacular. 
Yeah. Um, and A and M, they're just so up and down. I mean, you know, how how are you know in that Vandy game? I mean, honestly, how is Vandy even in that game and right. even be able to I do said, that? I, I mean, said I, Noah's. I said Noah Sears. I meant Mark Sears. We know what you meant. We got you. I got, I got confused there. Yeah, we got you. But I agree with you. I think Bama's going to win this game. Um, the next game that I wanted to talk about is Wake Forest at Virginia. Virginia is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Wake Forest, I know, is clearly on the bubble. Virginia, I'm guessing, is probably in the field. But if they keep losing – some of these games, they're going to be on the bubble before too long. Yeah, I think it depends on your definition of bubble. In Virginia's case, I have them as one of the lowest nine seeds today. So if you would consider a nine seed a bubble team, which in my opinion, it's pretty close to bubble because you're you're like two losses yeah. away from getting too close to last four in, which feels still bubbly to me with a month ago. But they're still a little bit safer in that loss that was this week against Pitts, not nearly as bad as it might have seemed to some people because – Pitts improved a lot of their metrics. They're getting to a point where I think that was just Q2. So not too bad, but they did lose to Notre Dame. So they do have a bad loss on their resume. What the problem with Wake Forest is, is they have a lot of just like no disrespect to the teams they beat, but they're just mid wins, like all Q2. They're against other bubble teams like Miami, Virginia Tech. Like they need something that's like, that's a tournament team. Like they need that little circle on the resume. That's like, okay, Wake Forest has the good metrics. They got some resume numbers, not really a lot of bad losses. But they don't have anything that indicates like there's their marquee win. And this year, the right. bubble feels deeper. They kind of need, they might need two, but you can't get two before you get one. So like they really need something like this. I'm not saying this is like must win yet, but Wake Forest isn't in. They're within that like first eight out. I'd probably have them next four out. If you're going to bucket it like that today. But certainly this is the type of win if the bubble goes their way on Saturday, they could go from next four out to first team out or in the field maybe because Gonzaga is not playing a, a, a tough game this weekend, so like it's certainly able to to get back thing, into the mix. But thing about Wake though, T is I've watched them some. Yeah. is they'll win some of these games, and then when they really need a game, they just they they fall apart. And, and it's I, I don't know how the committee's going to view them. To be honest, it, yeah. it's it's going to be tough. Um, but I, like I you said, I, I still I still think they're in though. As of now, I but, think that, you know it's possible both these teams can wind up on the bubble. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could, could yeah, you could argue they're both on the bubble right now. Again, like you said, depending on your yeah. definition of it for Virginia, right. it's, just, it's so hard to pick games with Virginia. They looked like when they were getting on that hot streak, maybe they're actually playing a more pretty brand of basketball. Maybe they're getting back into their standard. And then the pit game was underwhelming. I saw most of that one. I'm like, is this, are we just getting back to like kind of average Virginia? I'm not sure. I feel like they're going to write the ship. Like, like kind of like John said, I think Wake Forest has really struggled to put two good halves of basketball together against good teams. North Carolina was a good example. They had them at halftime, played great, had opportunities to even play better, and then they just got run off the floor. And it just feels like that's been kind of a consistent theme. Duke was another example. They didn't get run off the floor by Duke, but it just never felt like they'd get over the hump. This is an easier game than Duke and North Carolina, but I just – I need to like I would like to see it because I think they can be fun at times, but I just need to see it to Virginia it. to me. Usually pretty tough at home, so I they're mean, usually good at home. I think yeah. Virginia probably wins this one, probably. Yeah. Um, in this one, um, the next one I wanted to kind of bring up with you is Cincinnati. Um, 
trying to get it to come up. There we go. Cincinnati is a one-and-a-half-point favorite at UCF. Um, Cincinnati had a loss, um, you know, either their last game or over the weekend. I can't remember now which one it was. Um, I think they're like 14-9 and nine or 15-9, and nine, yeah. something like that. You know, um, I think they're pretty close to the bubble. If not, you know, they have to be right there. Um, and UCF is two or three games under them. So Cincinnati is favored in this game by a point and a half. And Cincinnati's kind of like great too, ain't they, T? Like one minute they'll play really well, and the next minute it's just like they'll lose one of them random games. It's Yeah, the, the tough thing for Cincinnati too is just the Big 12 so tough. There's just – there's yeah. not really an – off. I mean, even this, like you think UCF's easier, but UCF's shown they can hang with most of the teams. They already did beat Kansas at home too. UCF's bubble hopes, I, I think we're getting pretty close to the point where UCF has to win out. Maybe they could lose yeah. one more because the Big 12 has so many win opportunities. We'll, we'll go ahead and call it that for now. Win out except for maybe one more game they could lose. But definitely you want to win your home games. Cincinnati I have in my first four out. They are they have some decent wins, but just their overall record, if you think about even just quad one, two, and even three combined, because they had a bad non-conference. And they're I think they're four and seven in conference play, so they have four decent wins that they've gotten in Big 12 play, but that's it. Eventually, that's just going to catch up to you. This would technically be a Q1 win because UCF's got a decent net overall, but I don't know if this is enough unless other bubble teams lose to get them in the field as of Saturday. But I think it's certainly a game that they need to win because there's just the likelihood of them going on like a three-game win streak in the Big 12 with what we've seen so far seems unlikely. And this is one where it kind of subtly boosts the metrics. You get a Q1 win for it. Worst case, Q2 if UCF falls off. I think they absolutely need it more, and I think UCF's probably kind of seeing the light that it's like big 12 tournament or bust almost. So I get right. why they're favored. We've picked the home team the last three. So we'll go different and we'll say Cincinnati in this one to win. But I mean, it, both of these teams are inconsistent. There's I could, I could see UCF winning this by 10. I could see Cincinnati blowing them out. I could see it close, but I, I just <laughs> feel like because Cincinnati needs it a little bit more. Normally when it gets to this time of year, I think do, yeah. you, you kind of see that yeah. push forward. I think they're the better basketball team. It's just road games are tough as we know. So they are. one and a half makes sense, but I'll, I'll pick Cincinnati. All right. The next one, I'm going to throw you, a, a, you know, one that maybe you might like here. We got Louisiana Lafayette. If you want to call them that, some people just say Louisiana now. Um, but Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns are playing at App State. App State, App State is a six and a half point favorite. They are a team that I know which should have a shot at a tournament, uh, you know, at the NCAA tournament. I just wondered with you, do they have a shot? Do you think they have a shot as an at-large or no? Realistically, no. I would like to say that they do. They have a really good quad one, quad two combined record. They do have that win over Auburn, which a lot of people are aware of. They did sweep exactly. James Madison, which is a pretty good basketball team. They, they beat Michigan State themselves, and they have pretty good metrics. So that's that's another couple of good wins for App State. And then they've beaten a couple of the other good teams in the, the Sun Belt, which helps them too. But they have a, a decent amount of bad losses that are in there as well, and I just don't know if the metrics are going to get enough. They don't have any more good wins left on the schedule, even though Louisiana should be a little bit better. They're in the 110, 120s at home. That's just a Q3 game. 
So that's not going to be something that's going to move the needle for them. So there's just there. I, I put out these like birth watch graphics that have all these different teams and they're bucketed like locks, almost lock should be in bubble, almost flat bubble is like, or fringe bubble. If you will, I just think almost flat bubble is a little bit funnier way to word it. And then there's less right. than 1% where I'm not ruling you out completely. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so I, I have app stayed in less than 1% because I just don't feel comfortable deleting them yet. But if that gives okay. you an idea, less than 1% is not great odds, but they play some fantastic I mean, they have some good wins, some quality wins. Yeah. Doc. They're like 21 and five or something like that right now. Yeah. 20 and five, something like that. Um, I just thought I'd throw them in there give you a chance to kind of talk about them because um, I know you like the mid-majors. So Yeah, love the Sun Belt too. I like that in football too. That's one of the more fun – Kind of yeah. random football leagues and all that. He does like football league. too. Yeah. He, yeah, he just don't follow it as much as he does basketball. No, I don't. I don't watch he it. Likes really football? Much. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't it. even know. Man. My, my, I like college baseball more. If I had to pick a second favorite, <laughs> that started today. Yep. Which is fun. Opening day today. Yeah. But probably won't watch that a ton until basketball's done. Get a little busy watching like Yahoo yeah. College baseball started today. Yeah. This one I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> Because Nevada, who is in the field right now, um, is going to UNLV. And I wanted to ask you, UNLV is a one-point favorite in this game at home over Nevada. And I wanted to ask you, do you think UNLV has a chance to make a run here in the uh, Mountain West and sneak in the field? I mean, the, the interesting thing for them is the Mountain West tournament is played at their home arena which is huge. So they're going to get yeah. opportunities at home. Obviously the, they unfortunately don't always get a great crowd and mountain West teams travel really well. So I don't think it's going to feel like a, a jungle environment like Auburn in the mountain West tournament, like in some other smaller leagues that have a team host, but certainly it's nice to be in like the friendly confines, sleep in your own bed, things like that, that helps them. And they've obviously they've, as they've shown for anyone that's followed the mountain West, they've been a tough team for teams to get at home, but they're even more extreme, like we talked about with Cincinnati. They cannot figure out if they want to be a good team or not. Sometimes they look like a team where I'm like, that team could go on a run of March Madness. And sometimes I'm like, that yeah. team shouldn't be in the CBI, which is below the MIT. <laughs> like, I cannot figure them out. Right. But at home, against some of these big teams where it seems like their eyes are a little more focused, they're a little more aware for the game. So it does make sense that they're favored. But Nevada, obviously, again, needs a little bit more. I don't know if I see a path for UNLV to make the tournament without winning the mountain West tournament, because if they went out the regular season, I think they definitely get back onto like deeper graphics where maybe they're under consideration. But the problem with hosting the mountain West tournament is all of those games that you get in the conference tournament to try to say like, Hey, we got two extra wins in the conference tournament along with winning out the regular season. Look at us, but they're home games. And a lot of those mountain West teams are in San Diego state, maybe a little bit Utah state, New Mexico, but depending on where they finish, they're hovering really close to that 30, net range and if they get just underneath it those are just q2 games and unlv has a lot of bad losses one of them was very eye-opening early in the season they got ran off the floor by southern who's in the SWAC, decent team in the SWAC, but like can't get run off the floor by southern mississippi state did mississippi state's played a lot better since then they didn't have tolu at the time so that's a little bit different but right. i just yeah. i just don't know if i see a path for unlv i'd love to say i would but i don't want to get people's hopes up and then they went out the regular season they're still not in i think it's if they win out the regular season and they make the Mountain West final, we'll see where they're at. If they don't get to that point, it's probably NIT or, or some other tournament for them. I, I kind of oh. wanted to, I kind of wanted to do a little quick segment before you had to go, T. 
Yeah. Um, I think you I've do got, it on your. I got one more game. Oh, hey, okay. Hang on. Okay. okay. I got okay. one more game that I was going to quickly ask him about. I know you've got to run here, but I wanted to ask you about Yale and Princeton tomorrow. Um, and you know, this is a huge, huge game um, in in their conference in the Ivy League here. Um, I think they're like. 20 and six and 19 and five or something. I mean, their, their records are almost identical. Um, and Princeton's got a good couple of good wins this year. I just wanted to ask you about this game. You're probably following it tomorrow. So. Yeah, I will definitely be watching this. These are two teams that are a blast to watch. And I think you could also throw in maybe like a Cornell where if, Princeton and Yale will probably be 12 seeds. I think Cornell, maybe if they win the Ivy League, they're more like a 13. But those are, I mean, I feel like it's like a broken record. We say this every year. But you do not, if you're a five seed, you do not want to see Yale or Princeton. Like, I will be picking Princeton and Yale to, I don't care who you are. doesn't yeah. matter what's the, what the team is. If it's, I mean, San Diego State, I'm a, I love watching San Diego State. I'm probably picking Princeton. Like, I just well, feel like those and, are the type it, of teams. Was, that, it, was it last year, the year before? Colgate yep. played Arkansas, and they had Arkansas down 11 points in the first half. Like, yep. and Arkansas, yeah. well, they eventually come back and won, but you still, you still don't want to play these teams early in, early in the first round. And Princeton made the Sweet 16 last year as a 15, so I right. mean, now a 12 is an easier path, you'd think. Like, I mean, yeah. maybe San Diego State's a bad example. I feel like they're kind of upset proof because their defense is so good, but you just you don't want to see either of these two teams. Yale's been playing a lot better too. They didn't have nearly as good of a non-conference as Princeton. They they tested themselves. They just didn't get the wins that Princeton did. But that's going to be a really great game. Princeton struggled. I was watching that before this. They struggled a bit with Brown, who was just all due respect. They're just not good. They're like six and sixteen, six and seventeen. The Princeton ended up winning, but then Yale just went. And I think I think it was Penn maybe at the Palestra. And they just blew the doors off of them. So Yale seems locked in and focused. They're ready to go. They're still undefeated where Princeton has a couple losses in Ivy League play. I think it's going to be interesting. Should be a great crowd. Princeton plays in this like bubble shaped. It's not actually a bubble, but like a very cool looking small gym. So if, you, if you've never seen that yeah. before, definitely worth watching, at least for that. But these are also two good basketball teams. So it should be a pretty good game. Excited to watch that one. And cool to give the Ivy League a shout out. The nerds of hoops, you know. After I, I just kind yeah. of want to. Hey, they, they play some good ball. Both they of these do. teams play good they ball. Do. I just want to do a quick segment, real quick, because I know you do it on your um, page, where you you do the teams of the month and teams that you you think have have improved themselves over the month. Um, I guess we can do February. If you want to? Um, who do, who do you think has risen in February from early January, early December, November? I mean, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is Iowa State, like we talked about. And the biggest thing for that is they just kind of coming into January, they hadn't proven anything. They went into that, I think it was maybe Battle for Atlantis, or I think it was ESPN Invitational, one of those two like Feast Week tournaments and just didn't play as well as I think some people thought they would based on their talent. They didn't really have a lot of good wins coming into conference play, and they've looked great. They're up at the top of the Big 12. January, they kind of got up to a nice start, and they've been red hot in February. They're shooting the ball better, and they're actually winning road games. That's Iowa what you're going to say. They're, they're actually winning games away from Hilton. Yeah, <laughs> they usually don't do that, but they've been looking good. Like So they've impressed me a lot, too. And then even though they got 40 ball this week, got to give a shout-out to South Carolina. I don't think that's an accurate representation of actually how good the team is. Auburn just a tough place to win at. I think that 
the margin of that game is misleading. Like Auburn outplayed him by a mile, like no question about it. But like 40 points, like they're not 40 points worse than Auburn. It's just a bad night. I don't know. Yeah, if I, and I tell people that, like the other night, Auburn, we made a we Auburn made a comment also about shot this. like 62 at home. So yeah, well, and I made a comment about this T. You know, people yeah. was going on. A lot of South Carolina fans was like, "Well, we're frauds. We're not that good." Well, they ain't many teams since I think is I don't know if the stat is correct, but since 2019, Auburn is think was it 84 and two, 54 something. They've only lost two games since 2019, and Makes they sense. were ringing. And that's yeah. not many teams going to Neville and take care of business. Like it's yeah. Tennessee loses there, Kentucky loses there. In that Ole environment, Miss. when Auburn shoots sixty-two percent from the floor, you're not beating them. You're cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're walking. Yeah. And we're walking into hell tomorrow. So <laughs> <laughs> pray for us. Yeah. yeah absolutely. See, <laughs> but. I really do appreciate you being here with us. I know you kind of blocked off an hour. We're a few minutes over. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, drag blame, you out. Blame John. Blame John. It's John's fault this time. If, hey, I got, I got a few more minutes. If you guys had some more no, stuff, I can, I can no, go we, another 10, 15 if you want to. No problem. No, man, we're good. We're going to wrap up the show here pretty quick. I got a few things to close out. If you want to close on out with us, we appreciate you being on the show with us. Please, we follow, please follow him. Um I would like for him to get 20k by March Madness. Like you made a, you made a post about it. Like, and, and it ain't just about numbers. It's about what you do on your on your page. You 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 bring a lot of, how do I say this, um, stats. You you just bring things that a lot of people don't see. And there's more people out there. But I don't mean this in disrespect than Joe and Artie and, the, and these big guys like Jerry Palm, these other guys. Like, there's Jerry people. Palm's well, you know what I mean. Yeah. But there's other, but there's other guys out there. Eight hundred one JBR. There's other guys out there that are working their tails off in bracketology, and they deserve a little credit. And I think you're in that you're in that group with him. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. It means a lot, man. It does absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Um, I mean, I, I would, I, I much rather follow you guys. Have, I'm including you, me. 801 bracket dom. I mean, yeah. there's, you know, there's, there's several of you guys that I would much rather follow. J, JBR is another one. Um, and we actually you know, have 801 coming on next week, so 801 um, will be here next week. So. Good luck with that one. Even you know, there's <laughs> honestly there's several of you guys that I follow myself. Way before um, the CBS guy that does it, or Lenardi, or any of them dudes, you don't, like, you don't, you don't want to talk. You don't want to talk to T about Jerry Palm. <laughs> it's so bad. It's oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. It's just misinformation. All right, so we appreciate oh, you being on with us, man. If you want to jet run off, me and John will finish up the show, and we appreciate you being with us, man. Great. Appreciate you, T. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. I think that's All right, man. Have a good night. Um, I kind of want to um do do a quick shout out. Um, go follow um, him. Yeah, please do. He's he's a really good bracketologist. Um, he he knows what he's doing. Um, he to me, I think T is one of the best in the business. Um, because. He he gives you an idea of how to break things down, how to 
how to bring it all up and how to, how to discuss things. And I think he does that on his page. He does that with our group chat. He does that everywhere he goes. Um, but I kind of want to do something real quick. Um, she doesn't get a lot of recognition, um, except in the, in these mountains, um, especially um, in the 13th region. But I want to give a shout out to my baby cousin, Timberly Frederick. Um, she got her 1K ball um, last night, 1K points. Um, she plays for Knox Central High School um, here in Eastern Kentucky. Um, really good basketball player. Um, she has another um, teammate of hers that's same on the team, Hallie Collins. Um, I think she had she got two balls last night. I can't remember what hers was. I think it was maybe points. I can't remember 2,000 maybe. I can't remember. But um, shout out to those girls. Um, you know, Les Dixon does a really good job with the 13th region, um, page. He, he gives them a lot of, um, recognition, a lot of, a lot of, you know, honors and stuff. But beyond that, they don't get a lot of, a lot of publicity. Mount, have you heard of mountaintop sports? I've heard of mountaintop sports. Yes, sir. I think they cover 13. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. But what yeah, I'm saying, I'm talking about us being that, like us being all over the place, national wise yeah. like they don't get that very often and i just wanted to kind of shout out her um she's my baby cousin i love her to death um she's a really good basketball player her mom was a really good basketball player um there's basketball in those jeans and they got two she's got two sisters coming up that are twins they're just as good playing basketball too so it's a basketball family um right. in that family so um shout out to them tonight um you know i love them um, I hope they're doing well um, in the 13th region tournaments coming up, the, the district's coming up and um, I'm going to be there. I'm going to try to do my best to support them and what they offer um, at the 13th region tournament. So um, shout out to Kimberly Frederick, Kentucky, by the way. Yeah, it's in Kentucky. Um, yeah. and, it's at, and it's at the arena in Corbin. If, uh, if you don't know where that's at, but shout out to Kimberly Frederick. I love you. Um, you're the bomb. Hallie Collins, you're the bomb. Um, just wanted to give y'all a little love on my show tonight, our show, Brad's show. I guess you can call it Brad's show. Brad's Brad's the creator. Brad knows everything. Brad do, Brad does all the all the nicks and twips and whistles on it. He has to put it together. So, but shout out to them. Um, I just felt like they need a little recognition tonight. All right, real quick, just I got two big games tomorrow: uh, Marquette and UConn. At UConn, seven-point favorite. And then, of course, Kentucky and Auburn. Auburn is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, these two games, I just want to give them a shout-out. John, do you have anything to add? Not, to not really. Games? I mean, not really. Um, this is a heavyweight fight tomorrow, um, you know, between Marquette and, and UConn. Um, Number one versus number four in the AP. I mean, it's going to be a really good game. Um, I like the Huskies in this game. Um, this is game one of what could probably be two or three games they play with each other by the time the Big East tournament is over with. Um, yeah. I like I like Marquette. I think Tyler Kolick is one of the best guards in the country. But it's just going to be so tough going it's into UConn. Tough it. It's tough, man. Um, but, in Kentucky, but, I, but I love Auburn. Or, or you know, Auburn. you know, but I love, I love Marquette. I you think know who I, really my team forward. is, uh, but I'll be honest with you, I I don't expect Kentucky 
to go into the jungle tomorrow and win. I, I mean, not the way they have played um, lately. They may surprise me, but um, I, you know, I, I the seven and a half point points here. I don't really know if they'll. I'm going to say this. If I, I had to guess, I would guess that they cover seven and a half. If I had to, can guess. I can I say this? Um, Kentucky is getting way too many points in this game. Um, I think, you know, Kentucky has the seventh most efficient offense in the country. I think they have like five stores averaging double figures. Um, Antonio Reeves is probably, you know, in the running for SEC Player of the Year. And Auburn plays really um, good defense. Oh, I know they're really good defensively. They're a really they good play team. Some really good defense. The jungle is tough. Um, Kentucky for me. They'll have the advantage on the perimeter um, because, you know, they got Reeves, Wagner, Dillingham, Shepard. Yeah, I mean, if Kentucky um, is shooting 40%, 50% from three-point line, then they might have a shot at winning this tomorrow. But And, and you know, and they and Auburn counters with Aiden Holloway. You know, he he's only 6'1". Um, I don't think he's got the same potential as the other Kentucky guards, but he just makes plays every single night. Um I think where Kentucky is really going to hurt in this game is the pick-and-roll stuff. Auburn's going to pick-and-roll them to death. And if Kentucky can't stop the pick-and-roll, it's going to be a long night. Um, you know, I agree. Broom, and William, Broom and Williams are really good. John, John Broom's really good. Jalen Williams is good. Kentucky, I'll, let me say this. I'll say this, and I'll leave it at that. I'm picking Auburn to win, but I think Kentucky covers. But Kentucky has the talent to pull the upset in this game. Let's let's not deny that they do. They got the players I mean, if we, to do. If it. we have two or three guards that's shooting the lights out, I mean, we can win the game. But give me, we can't. But I will say this: just give me the eight points or whatever, eight and a half, nine, whatever it is, ten. Um, yeah. I think Kentucky covers. But when you get down there and you do like South Carolina did the other night, you know, South Carolina got up nine to four. Then all of a sudden, Auburn just went on a rampage, hitting shots. Yeah. Making plays, and before you know it, South Carolina was down twenty-five. Crowd, and that crowd goes wild in that place when they're. And let me tell you this, everybody: if y'all don't know what's going on, Auburn is camping out. As soon as that game was Literally over, camping. they had fans that walked out of the arena against South Carolina and pitched a tent and been camping out since what was that Wednesday night when they played. Wednesday night. Tuesday night. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. They have literally hey. been camping out. Hey. I'm going to tell you what I tell every, I'm going to tell you what I tell everybody. Kentucky still brings out the best in everybody. <laughs> as, everybody as, as bad as they don't want to admit it, you know, as bad as they don't want to admit it, Kentucky does. But yeah, like I Absolutely. said, I think I, I'm picking Auburn tomorrow. Um, I just Kentucky's got the talent to do it, but I just don't see it happening especially down there. Like I told T, Auburn has only lost two games since 2019 down there, and it's going to be a major test to go into the jungle and win in a very, very hostile environment. And with Bruce Pearl as one of the better coaches in the league, like he's a really good coach, Bruce Pearl is. He's one of the best. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. He was that way when he was at Tennessee. He's been that way at Auburn. He's a really good coach. He's a good coach, yep. I, I agree with that 100%. Um so we will not be doing our show on Sunday. I will be in Lexington on Sunday having a for the Kentucky women's basketball game. By the way, if y'all don't know, game. 
if we if everybody don't know, I just want to kind of tell them, you are going to the SEC tournament for the women's, and that's a big deal. I am. I am uh, going to the SEC women's tournament, which is a big deal, um, and I will be at Kentucky and Lexington at Rupp Arena on Sunday for the women's game. They're having an alumni game. They are expected to have over 90 former players and coaches there. Um, it's going to be a big deal. They're playing Florida. And one of the biggest alumni that's going to be there is Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, who just won the um, SEC tournament for Kentucky two years ago. She is now an assistant coach on the Florida team. Hey. We can sneak her. We can sneak her there. We can sneak her on the podcast. Hey, sneak her on the podcast. We'll get her to talk. (laughs) (laughs) So I get to actually, they're having a blue carpet and everything. Like, and they're, you you get to like take pictures and they're going to come around. I'm not sure if we can like talk and, and interview some. I'm not exactly sure what all they're doing yet, but it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be fun. And uh, so I will be doing that on Sunday. We will do our show on Tuesday night. Oh, and by the way, um, before before I let you know, um, John Roberts is doing a special on Auburn baseball for our podcast. Um, I just kind of wanted to shut that out. It's it's a brand new episode that he's doing and we're doing. Um, it's yeah. just for it's just for college baseball. Um, he done a really good job. I listened to a little bit of that, and it was yeah. It was really, I put it really, on really our. Good. Um, audio Podbean. version or Podbean and our audio yeah. version. Um, he sent it to me. Um, it is a Auburn uh, preseason. Um, the season opening day was today, and uh, yeah. they're playing Eastern Kentucky. By the way, they um, actually won. I, I think they. I think they won. I'm not yeah. seventeen yeah. to six or something. Maybe I can't remember. Right. He posted. Auburn's the got a pretty good team. So, but next yeah. week, next week, next Friday, I just wanted to kind of remind you that too. 801 Bracketology will be with us. Um, he's another one of the T3 Bracketology disciples. Yeah, he's, he's on the bracket matrix as well. Yeah, he's on there. And then, yeah. then March 3rd, we will have the NFL. Um, I think he's the, is he Doing the NFL draft special on yeah, March draft 3rd. Guy. Um, yeah. And he, we will talk about some of the guys coming out of college, going to the pros. Um, coming out for the NFL. We're actually going to have a mock draft, a two-round mock draft. Oh, a mock draft, yeah. yeah. I'm not good with that stuff. I'll let you all do it. Um, I'll just listen in, and I'll just listen to what you all got to say. Well, we got several um, things coming up, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty exciting time here at College Sportscast, and we want to thank is. T3 um, for man, T3. Man, listen. Did you, ever, did you listen to him tonight? Like, he was so thorough with everything that he does. Like, he's, he's crisp. At what he does and, and how he talks, he just he knows his stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Like he knows what he's doing, and that's why I like him so much. I, that's why I follow him. That's why I give him all the the credit he deserves because he's a really good bracketologist. Oh, he's great, um, and yeah. he's always really, really close. Getting like sixty-seven out of the sixty-eight teams. They also break it down this bracket match, matrix. That if I'm, I'm not mistaken. About. They I'm break it down by like getting the seeds right. They get points for getting the seeds right, not just getting the teams in. If um, I'm not mistaken, didn't Bracket Dom win it last year? Bracket Dom won it last year. That, that's he's another guy. Won it, he's actually won it like two of the last 
four or two of the that's, last that's, five. That's, an, that's another guy maybe we can slide on before yeah. the SEC tournament or the big yeah. tournament. So we can um, maybe slide him on and talk to him I about think that. T3, I mean, there's over 100. I think T3 was like in the top 20 last year. I'm pretty yeah, sure. he was. Yeah. See, that's what I don't understand. You know, I was telling him about the math aspect of it. There's no way you got to watch all these games, and which don't get me wrong, I watch college basketball, but you got to stay precise every single night. It's not, hard to watch some of these and not watch, take a night and not take a night off. You know, watch it's, Stony Brook and Lipscomb or whoever. I mean, some of these games it's hard to watch. I mean, honestly, yeah, let's just be honest, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love college. I love basketball. Oh, I do too. It, it, I love it better than anything. It would be different if I was there in person. You mean to tell me you wouldn't watch Detroit and IUPUI? Come on now, Brad. <laughs> Not on TV. Like if I was in there in the gym and all, you know, there, I I, I could sit and watch. Like I, I would be into it. But to sit and watch that on TV when there's a hundred other games that I could be watching. But like I said um, earlier. I just kind of wanted to give a shout out um, to my baby cousin. We had mentioned that earlier, her and Hallie Collins. Um, shout out Les Dixon, man. Um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, I know this is – we're more national coverage, but the dude does a lot of work in the Kentucky area. Uh, he's a well-known writer, well-known, you know, uh, media guy. He, he, he does everything that you expect him to do. He's a really good dude. If you don't follow him, follow him on Twitter – I can't remember his Twitter um, follow, but it's something Les Dixon maybe. Um, he does a really good job, girls, boys. He goes to the state tournament every year. Um, that's one thing I would like to incorporate maybe starting next year maybe a little bit is do, do a little high school circuit. You know, not not every week, but maybe let's do a little bit of high school ball at the end of our shows because a lot of these kids need a little recognition. You know, Travis Perry, uh, my cousin that plays – um, there's so many good athletes in this region in this area that go unnoticed and yeah. they go unnoticed just by so many people and we need to give them credit that they deserve. And, you know, Kentucky high school basketball is really, really awesome. Um, if you've never been to a state tournament game, I suggest you go to one. Um, it's one of the greatest things in the world. Um, it's, it's sort of like what it's, sort, if you really want to know, it's like the NCAA tournament. Um, basically. Yeah, they treat it that way, yeah. They treat Absolutely. it that way. Like They treat the yeah. media that way. They treat everybody that way. And uh, But like I said, I just wanted to give a shout-out to my baby cousin, Timberly. Um, I love you. Um, she's a really good basketball player, great shooter. Her mom was a great shooter. Um, she was she was awesome. The uh, um, she just While you're giving shout-outs, talking about high school ball, just so you know, guys, I got three girls that I coached in middle school that are in the Elite Eight in in Alabama. They won today. They are now in the Elite Eight. If they win their next ball game, they will make the Final Four. It's awesome. Um, in in there, there, I got three girls that are seniors on this team. They're twenty. 28 and six, I think is their record now. They won today in the Sweet 16. They have now made the Elite Eight. 
they are one game away from the final four in 5A in girls mm-hmm. basketball. And I want to give a huge shout out to Maggie Myers, Maya Griffin, and Alyssa Thompson. They were the three leading scorers today. They led, led their team to a 45 to 38 victory. And those three girls that I helped coach in middle school, uh, AAU ball, um, when I when I coached them, um, they had 30 of the 45 points. That's awesome. In their in their win. And, and by the way, while we're on it, they beat a really good Southwest Pulaski team last night. Southwestern Pulaski has beaten them in the past. Um, they beat a really good team. Um, there's another girl that plays for Southwest Pulaski that is real good friends with um, Timberly and Tavi, my cousin, um, the coach. I can't remember his name offhand, but her and the girls are pretty tight. Um, so shout out. I just I felt like we need to do a little shout out with the high school circuit a little bit because well, if you're doing that, these, I have to give a shout out to the well, Gulf Shores. These kids, Gulf Shores, these kids deserve uh, it, man. Basketball. These kids deserve it, man. They a lot of these places, national coverage, they don't get, especially in Kentucky, there's not a lot of national coverage. You know, you, you might get KSR every once in a blue moon in, in, in different places, but the kid, there's kids that are being hidden in some of these gyms that nobody even knows about, and, and they're really good basketball players. Maya Griffin, mm-hmm. a week ago, February the 8th, I think, she signed a um, letter of intent to play college ball at Coastal Alabama. So, I mean, these girls that I'm talking good, about, like, like they're, they're they're up there. They could play some co- – I mean, I'm not saying they're D1, but they can play some college ball. And I'll tell you this, too, by the way. Um, Hallie Collins, the other girl that plays the teammate, she's going to UPAC. Um, she announced, I think, maybe two or three weeks ago, she's going to UPAC to play ball, and she's a really good basketball player, too. And uh, she's a big Caitlin Clark fan. She's like me. She's a big Caitlin Clark fan. Hey, I'm a huge Caitlin oh, Clark. Oh, and by fan. the way, did you see last night a 32-footer? So a 32-footer to break the record? Like, yeah. Just throwing it up. That's there. nothing for her. She just pulls up, man. Yeah, she's, oh, you she's know, awesome. That, that, nothing unordinary. Just a 32-footer to break the record, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She just pulls up, man. She pulls up. Steph Curry of college basketball is what I call it. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, number one all-time women's all-time, all-time scorer yes. now. So. But All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up. We will see man, you on this has Tuesday been night. It's been a fun show tonight, man. This has been really fun. Yep, it is, and it has been. I want to appreciate T3 for being on, and hopefully next Friday we'll have 801 Bracketology on with us. So y'all stay tuned. We're trying to uh, talk all these Bracketology. Daniel Head said CC is her. Yes, sir. She is her. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Caitlin Clark is her. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a good night.